Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we're going to look at the business story of the moment and where it might be headed in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. That means looking at how this happy tune could so quickly turn into the disaster that BHS or British Home Stores, as some of us used to know it, has become. And we'll also have a sneak preview of some of the big hitters updating markets and investors. I'm joined by Richard Fletcher, the business editor of The Times, Simon English, our deputy business editor, and Deirdre Hipwell, retail correspondent of The Times. Welcome to you all. Richard, let's start with you. But before I do, I'd like you just to listen to this clip of an interview at the World Retail Congress this year with Sir Philip Green as chairman of the Arcadia Group. We've probably got one of the most unsettled periods, I would say, in our lifetime of the different factors going on. It's unknown. So I think next 12 months is sort of head down, stay focused, don't try and be too brave. Just just get on with the day job. Richard, as he says there, just get on with the day job. You know Sir Philip Green and have done so for a number of years. I mean, first of all, how's he going to cope with this? I suppose if Philip was sitting here, uh, not that he would sit here, but if he was sitting here, he'd probably point out that he was no longer running BHS, so therefore he probably couldn't have foreseen uh, the events of the last uh, couple of weeks. But um, it's um, it's obviously been an amazing turn of events uh, the last couple of weeks, and it's very sad to see, you know, another uh, great high street name, you know, as a former retail editor, uh, almost certainly disappear from the high street. Woolworths, Littlewoods, you know, we can we can all reel them off. So it is obviously a very sad end to a story. I mean, BHS has been struggling, you know, for as long as I have been a retail correspondent, or as long as I've watched the retail sector. Uh, it was Philip Green bought it. Um, from Storehouse, which was a sort of one of those retail conglomerates of the 80s and the 90s, and uh, you know, even back then, it was uh, it was it was very troubled and, and needed a lot of investment and 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 some love. So it is a sad end to a very long story. Didra, retail correspondent, how's this unfolding for you? I mean, you obviously have some contact with him, do you? Um, it's been brief and fleeting up until now, and it's 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 been a pleasure. <laughs> Are you trying to find the word robustuous? And then we can... The one thing I will say it is it is always good when you get access to people. I mean, there's a lot of companies which hide behind PRs and anodyne statements, and you can ring him and put things to him. Um, what response you get, you know, depends on what the question is and what the mood is. But I do think it is good that. Um, you are able to speak to him and that he reads everything about him and that he actually cares what's being written about him. That is the one thing I will say. But so far, not so much. His way of operating to me is actually quite quite interesting and it, in a way it's kind of quite straightforward. It's, it, 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 it's this. If you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. And if you're not, I will not. And he, he takes things personally. So I think, I mean, it's great, as Deirdre says, that he does take his own calls and does his own PR. Uh, the flip side of that is that normal standard journalistic questions that a, a, a PR head or a, a chief executive of a FTSE company, for example, would, would take a standard that social journalist doing his job. Uh, I don't think that's entirely true, but I mean, I don't want to focus too much on how Philip interacts with the press here, because, you know, that's a well-told story. We've all read the transcripts. Uh, many of us have been at the end of very polite calls and very 
unpolite calls. I mean, what's interesting about Philip is the way he operates generally. You know, there's no computer, there's no email, uh, there's occasional text, but if you get into a text conversation with him and you've exchanged more than two or three texts, you'll get a text saying, you know, why don't you just ring me? You know, it's, it's a, his way of doing business is very much face-to-face, talking to people, and that's very different these days from your typical chief executive, even your entrepreneurial chief executive, you know, doesn't really operate in that sort of way. I mean, in terms of how he deals with the press, you know, Simon's absolutely right. He does give you a hard time if he feels um, you, 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 you're not listening or you've been hard to him. But, you know, that's partly, as Deirdre says, because it's not often you get such direct access to a chief executive these days. There's normally at least three PR men and a head of corporate affairs between you. But I, what I do think is interesting, given that he's going to appear in front of two... Uh, select committees is a lot of people sort of are expecting fireworks and actually you know Philip can be quite charming at times and he can um, you know he he, the the swear he can stop the swearing when he needs to uh, if you like and I actually think it'll be quite difficult for the MPs to tie him down he's very good at reeling off a huge number of figures. He's, he's he's got all the facts in his head, and I think if they, you know, if people are expecting a sort of uh, Fred Goodwin, uh, Bob Diamond type uh, show, they may be disappointed because I have to say, I think he, may, you know, the MPs are going to have to go in pretty well brief because there's any journalist who's ever discussed figures with him will know you know it's quite hard to keep up, and he gets a bit frustrated when you don't. Looking at the future of. BHS, can it be saved in any form? And what are the ripple effects, do you think? First of all, you, Richard, that the knock-on funds, the landlords, the property, and, of course, the jobs? Well, I suppose, as we, and, and Deirdre's probably better on this than me, but, but we looked back at what happened on, to Woolworths, um, which obviously was the last uh, retail casualty of this scale. And, you know, a lot of the stores were relet to rival retailers quite quickly for the moment the administrator seems to want to try and sell this business as a going concern i sell it as bhs find someone who's prepared to come in maybe with a few less stores maybe without the pension fund uh and come in and have a go at turning this around and and running it as bhs i'm not sure there's anyone out there who really wants to do that or, or has the capacity or firepower to do that. Deirdre would probably be better on, on, on whether that's a possibility. Um, I think there's two trains of thought. One is it potentially could be saved as a going concern because without the pension liabilities and without you know its huge debt pile, it might be a better business. But I think if it were to emerge as a trading operation out of this, I think it would be much smaller. I think whoever would come in would probably only want about 50 or 60 stores at the moment and has 164 and they would want to cherry pick the best stores and you know buy the rights to the BHS name. Uh, the view amongst um, retail experts and corporate advisory types I've spoken to, they don't think that that is a likely scenario, but you never know. They think it's more likely that it will be broken up like Woolworths and various tranches of the stores will be sold off. But at the moment, the administrator is very much gunning for a sale, if possible, as a going concern. Simon? It does look doomed to me uh, with regret. It's not obvious what the stores are for, and it hasn't been obvious for some time what the stores are for. One idea, which, I mean, we did kick around in the office the other day, maybe the, the best bidder and owner for that business is Sir Philip Green, and he may be the person who's most likely to be able to find a use for it is him. We'll take a short break now, and then we'll be asking what questions MPs might put to Sir Philip and who's going to foot the pension bill. 
The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Welcome back. Now, several parliamentary committees have launched separate inquiries into the BHS affair. Here's what Frank Field told Ian King on Sky's Ian King Show. It's inconceivable that we wouldn't actually invite Sir Philip Green to come. He's called us a a load of... So clearly, that if he does come, it, it would be a committee session which takes it slightly on before the, the Justice and Reconciliation <laughs> meetings in, uh, elsewhere in the world. Um, but it would be very interesting whether he wants to come and feels confident enough to answer uh, uh, the case, really, that does now rest against him. That was Frank Field MP talking to Ian King on Sky. Richard Already the scene seems to be set for a fairly aggressive approach from the MPs. I mean, they're out for him, aren't they? Is this going to be spectacle or will they really be able to dig down? Well, let's hope they can really dig down because, you know, there's 10,000 jobs uh, that are at risk um, following the collapse of BHS. I mean, obviously he makes an easy target. He's got three yachts. He's not the politest man in the world at at times. Uh, So, you know, he makes a very easy target and I'm sure the MPs will be hoping so. Let's hope. They get into what due diligence was done before the sale of BHS. Also, it'd be good if this highlights another issue which uh, Patrick Hoskin wrote about in Friday's paper, which is really looking at the, you know, there are thousands of uh, defined benefit pension schemes out there, many of them which are connected to companies that are a fraction of the size uh, they were when these pension liabilities were taken on, many of which no longer employ any or, or, or only a few employees who actually benefit from these pension schemes. So, you know, hopefully this sparks a wider debate about that and hopefully the um, the numerous uh, select committee inquiries can actually give creditors and staff answers to what happened at BHS and what went wrong. And I think the important thing to note is the difference between the two inquiries. Frank Field's inquiry will be looking at the pension regulation and the wider pension industry. Obviously, BHS will be a big part of that, but they're also going to be calling other companies that have had similar issues. So that might be a more wide-reaching inquiry, the one where Philip Green might face tougher questioning if he is called, because we don't know yet if he will be, but it seems likely is is the one that was announced by Business Innovation Skills, because that is looking at what checks Arcadia Group took when they sold... BHS, so what due diligence did they do on retail acquisitions which bought it and how did they make sure that it was a credible buyer and I think that might be the more interesting inquiry at least from the what's happened to BHS point of view. I mean the issue for, for Philip unfortunately uh, at this point is that it is open season on him and anything and everything is up for grabs and uh, people will go after him in ways that may not be fair or judicious, but they only have to uncover one thing from his past that looks deeply regrettable and that he might himself think, oh, I wish I hadn't done that, and then they're in. Uh, and and then there's a potential that the, the, the issue spirals from there. Yeah, hopefully they'll also look at what's happened in the last, you know, year and a bit that the... That, 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 
BHS has been under control of um, retail acquisitions because w- w- while no one would contend that uh, you know the events of the last uh, year you know are entirely responsible for the collapse of BHS you know I do think it's quite important to look at, 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 the, at the at the behavior of the directors of uh, of, of retail acquisitions and, and what they've been up to and and the fees and assets and that they've they've taken out of the uh, out of the company i think which makes a good point because obviously now we're seeing the fallout between the owners and the bhs management and they're publicly um slagging each other off in the press we have dominic chappelle calling the the former ceo of bhs a, a jumped up store manager so and there's you know there's insults being traded back and forth and i think that gives some insight into basically the chaos that BHS must have been descending into in the last few weeks in the run-up to the administration and if that is the kind of situation that was going on between the management and the owner you obviously have to think that the business was going to be impacted. One final question for each of you wouldn't it just be simpler for Sir Philip Green to write a cheque for 400 million pounds and give it to the pension fund trustees and wouldn't it just go away from his point of view? Well, I'm not sure it would go away because the pension regulator is in a very difficult position here. The pension regulator obviously feels, as they've launched an inquiry, there may be a case here that Philip should, as, as the previous owner, has some duty to the fund. But how much is the question? And if you're the pension regulator, this is a big test case for you. This is a big, high-profile case. And you're probably not in any rush to do a deal because the last thing you want to do as the regulator is to have been seen to have done a bad deal with Philip Green, uh, Sir Philip Green. And, you know, even very experienced businessmen are always slightly wary of doing a deal with, with, with Philip because he is known to be a very good negotiator. And therefore, you know, even if Philip did want to write a cheque for £400 million, and I'm, and, and I'm not even, I don't, care how many billions of pounds you've got 400 million pounds is still a lot of money um even if he did want to do that i'm not sure that the pensions regulator would actually would would actually accept it simon i think the moment for him to cut that sort of deal has passed unfortunately um he's into other things now if he'd said weeks ago this is regrettable and i want to make it right and talk to the pensions regulator privately said look how about this then he could have got a deal. It's well, he did, though, didn't he? Because he offered, I mean, rightly or wrongly, he offered £80 million, which was probably far too little, but he was in negotiation with the pension regulator. That The, the reports have suggested, haven't they? You think he's played this blinder here? Do you think? No, no, I don't think he's played a blinder at all. I'm just saying, I just I just can't see the pension... If I was the pension regulator, I just, I just wouldn't... The last thing I would do now is accept any cheque from Philip, even if it was for the full yes. £527 million. C- Certainly not now, is my point, but I mean, yeah. maybe a month ago there was a deal to be cut. Did you? you know, the pension regulator is going to want to have to do a thorough investigation because some of the payments that we're talking about were made over 10 years ago um, when it was a very different situation. So I think that the pension regulator will have to look at all transactions that took place, both the former and the current owners, and have to look at the prevailing conditions at the time. So I imagine they need to get that all understood before they could even think about doing any sort of deal with anyone really okay well we'll leave that there for the moment but it's going to be occupying us in the weeks and probably months to come finally there are a few FTSE 100 companies with results and trading updates to watch out for Deirdre uh, sticking with the retail we've got uh, we're going to hear from next they've warned us already that this could be the toughest year they've faced since 2008 are they going to find something to cheer us up with I don't know. In the period that I've been covering retail, I'm learning that Simon Wilson is incredibly bearish and 
the last update he gave, um, he was kind of tiptoeing around whether this was a slowdown or a recession, but the nub of what he was trying to get to is that it is really difficult in clothing retailing at the moment. People are spending their money on dining out and cinemas and spending less on clothing, and I guess we'll get a better insight next week, but who knows I mean, Dean is absolutely right. Uh, uh, Lord Wolfson is uh, rarely, uh, rarely upbeat. I've never known him being upbeat. And also, you know, the city is always is always asking how much longer next can continue to be this juggernaut, and it has been a juggernaut for the last decade or so. Uh, you know, and I had a fund manager say to me, oh, I was in there the other day, and my, there was nothing to buy. My daughters didn't want to go in there, but I've been told that hundreds and hundreds of times. All fashion brands at some point make a mistake, they call it wrong, and they have a tough time. Who knows whether that's the next moment now. The only thing I would say is for a company that never actually used to advertise, uh, they've been doing an awful lot of advertising both in our paper and other papers in uh, recent weeks, which obviously should be welcomed. But uh, that would suggest perhaps they are having to drive uh, that a little bit harder to get the footfall and get customers into the stores is, is my, only, uh, my only insight is from reading the papers, uh, not just ours. There's an awful lot of advertising from Next. If you drop a table of the list of differences between Lord Wolfson and Philip Green, it would be a very long list. Uh, uh, the other two are right, but uh, Simon Wolfson's always bearish. His, his comments this time did strike me as even more so. And I think the, the wider issue uh, is not just next. Next will be fine because it's a brilliant company. Uh, there is uh, a wider slowdown on the high street occurring, I think, and the, the question will be how many other retailers over the summer go under. All right, well, that's just about it for now. But remember, you can read about all those updates we've been talking about, next in particular, and we'll also be hearing, I should remind you, from Jay Sainsbury, William Morrison's Royal Dutch Shell and HSBC. They'll all be alongside with on Twitter and our feeds, along with all the other business news and commentary. And if you are a Times subscriber, we have that £1 offer. Don't forget, special offer, just go to thetimes.co.uk. And if you are a Times subscriber, I hope you've signed up, or if not, do so, to our daily morning and lunchtime emails. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Deirdre Hitwell, Richard Fletcher and Simon English. They are all on Twitter, so please do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain.